Hello, and welcome to the Salem on the Go podcast, a community of Christ followers that seeks the well-being of all people, a place where you can connect, commit, and continue to grow in your faith. In this new series, Unwrapping Christmas, we recognize it's that time of year to unpack the boxes and trim the tree. What if this year we could go beyond the boxes to experience something even greater? What if we actually expected Jesus to show up? So let's unwrap Christmas together and turn now to the third part of our series, Unwanted Gifts. This is the third part of our Advent series, uh, Unwrapping Christmas. And uh, over the past few weeks, we've done a lot of different things. We've talked about several characters who received unexpected gifts. The first one was Zechariah, who was in the season of life of languishing. Has anybody used that term since I introduced to it? How are you doing today? I'm languishing, right? This is that season of just, nah, right? I'm just not feeling it. I'm not got a lot of joy, but that's the season I'm living in. Zechariah was definitely living in that season of languishing when Gabriel showed up and gave him the news that he would receive a gift. And part of how he could get the wheels unstuck in his life was to embrace once again the power of silence in his life. And that that power of silence is available to all of us that we can focus in. Now, the second character that we looked at was not languishing, but he was in disbelief. This is Joseph. So it's another unexpecting father who's about to get a gift. And whenever Joseph received the gift, he didn't know how to receive it, right? Because he's looking at this gift and he's saying, that's God's. That's God's child. That's God's uh, gift to the world. Why would I receive that gift, right? It doesn't make sense that I would do that. And he didn't actually know how to unwrap that gift and, and take it as if it was his own. That was his problem in that space. And what we discovered is that, you know, even though Joseph would have wanted to either kill the gift altogether or dismiss the gift from his life, and we do that sometimes as well, we dismiss those gifts that God gives to us, God invited Joseph into a third way, a way where Joseph could receive the gift as his own. This isn't just God's, but this is your child, Joseph. Receive it as your own, and not only receive it as your own, you have the special obligation to name it in the world. And each of us are given those gifts by God that we're to claim as our own, even though they feel uh, unfamiliar to us, they feel distant to us, they feel like we shouldn't have them. Those are gifts that God has placed in our lives. And today, I want to look at another unexpecting parent, but this time, a mother. I want to look at one who received an unexpected gift, and this is Mary. Now, here's what you need to know about Mary. Mary's not languishing. She's not like Zechariah in that way. Mary is not in a space like Joseph where she's wrestling with how to receive the gift. She's got no choice. It's in her belly, right? The gift's there. It's a part of who she is entirely. So she's not wrestling with whether or not she should receive the gift. It's already there. But she is about to receive a gift that she doesn't want, She doesn't want this gift in her life. She didn't ask for this gift in her life. In fact, let me ask you a question. What's the best gift? Just shout it out or put it online. What's the best gift you've ever received? What's the best gift? Somebody yell out the best gift you've ever received at Christmas. Children, all right? Children? Or you didn't get children. Okay, all right. That's fine. That's right. That's fine. Children is a great gift, even not at Christmas. Any other gifts that we love? Any other? Car? Engagement ring. All right, we got some great gifts in here. What's the worst gift you've ever received? <laughs> For those who are online and didn't hear, she said this sweater. Um, not referring to mine. Mine's an incredible sweater, and whoever gets it at the end of service, you'll be lucky to have it. We've all received those gifts that are good and bad. Here's, here's what makes a difference between them. In fact, as you were shopping for your ugly sweater, you may have thought just what Nancy thought in that way. But 
There are probably some sweaters in this room that in the not-so-distant past, everyone was sitting around a nice cozy fire and all the presents in the room were still unwrapped, and you were waiting to receive your gift, right? and you were loving the way it had been packaged and the paper was beautiful, and you unwrapped that package, and out of it came this masterpiece, right? And your heart sank. You knew, like our sister Nancy, that this was the worst gift that you had ever received in all your life. And in fact, some of you may not have been something like that. Have you ever participated in a white gift elephant exchange? Some of you, we've got a few of you who've done that. You might have received one of these there, right? And if you haven't received that, you've probably received, how many by the raising of hands has received a terrible gift at a white gift elephant exchange? We got quite a few who've received just terrible, terrible gifts. Here's what I've discovered about, about the white elephant gift exchange and other places where we receive bad gifts. What I've discovered is it kind of goes back to that old adage, one man's junk is another man's treasure. You ever, you ever experienced that? You know, so for, ex- for example, it may be terrible, whatever gift you have, but if two things changed in your life, it'd be an awesome gift. The two things that need to change are your timing and your circumstances. Right, for example, I, I might go to a white gift elephant exchange and I might open a toilet seat. For some of you, that might be the worst in the world, but if it was me, and my son had just been standing on the toilet seat that morning and cracked it in half, and I didn't have a seat on my throne anymore, and I just happened to that night receive a beautiful, pearly white toilet seat, that's a great gift, right? And, and others in the room will laugh, and I will say, that's one of the best received. Why? Because it landed at the right time and in the right circumstances. And if either of those things had shifted, it would have been a terrible gift. And that's often the case in our life. Gifts that come to us in our lives need to land, if they're going to be good gifts, at the right time and in the right circumstances. This is how gifts work. And when gifts don't work for us, or when you're in a position where you say, I don't like that gift, I didn't want that gift, that's not something that I need in my life, it's because for you, it wasn't the right timing and it wasn't the right circumstances. Almost any gift could work in your life if those two things would line up in your life. And this is sort of what Mary was facing when Gabriel came to her in Luke chapter 1. In her life, she could have been in a position where receiving a child would have been a great gift, but her timing and her circumstances were off, and because it was off, it felt like a bad gift. It felt like it was the wrong time for Gabriel to show up. You know, I kind of imagine Mary in that moment, like Walt Griswold standing in the Christmas movie, right, with Eddie showing up right beside him. It's just like, this is the wrong time for you to be there. If, if you've not yet watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation this year, you should go do that and get caught back up on Eddie and, and Walt. But this is sort of how I see it. Eddie shows up at the wrong time in Walt's life, uh, and, and of course, Mary, for Mary, Gabriel shows up in the wrong time, in the wrong circumstances for her. And remember, Luke is one who's going to give us really good details about this. He's researched it. He's done everything. And he begins his story by talking about John and the story of John coming about. But he's now going to take us to the section. um, He's going to take us to the section that he really wants to get into. And this starts for us in verse 26 of chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month, and in the sixth month, that's that's Elizabeth's pregnancy. So when she was six months pregnant, here's what happens. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now, it's really important that we see two things here. One is this person who's in the line of David. That's the, that's the important part. Luke wants to tell you that the man that she is engaged to is one who comes through the line of David, 
who is also qualified to be the Messiah. Whoever comes through the line of David is qualified to be the Messiah. That's important. But the other important part that Luke wants to explain to us is that this is a virgin. She's never been with a man. She's never experienced marriage in this way. She is a virgin in this space. And this is the important detail. In fact, he repeats it in the very next verse, in verse 27. He goes on, he says, The virgin's name was Mary. So before he ever gets to her name and telling us who she is, he tells us these two details. She's in the line of David, or will be when she marries her husband Joseph, and she's a virgin. And he came to her and he said this, Greetings, favor one, for the Lord is with you. Now, this is interesting because this would throw Mary off entirely. You know, for us, we'd be like, yeah, certainly God is with me and in my life and always around me. But with her, it doesn't make sense to say that God is with you. Another word for this is Emmanuel, right? And that wouldn't have been experienced for her or anyone else practicing uh, late ancient Judaism in the first century. That just would not happen. In that period of time, God's not with me. God's in the temple, right? Or God's in the synagogue and in in the reading of Torah and the studying there. God is not with me. And so this is a strange encounter where right from the beginning, Gabriel, Gabriel would come to her and say, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And that's why she actually responds in the way she does. Look at how she responds in verse 29. She's perplexed by his words. I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand why God would be with me in any capacity. God would be somewhere else. And she pondered what sort of greeting this might be, that God is with her. And so the angel steps back in this moment. He doesn't stop. He just fires away right out here. He says to her in the next verse, don't be afraid, Mary. This is going to be heavy news. It's going to be unexpected news. It's not where you're at in the time of your life. You probably aren't enduring the right circumstances right now. But Mary, you have found favor with God. And because you found favor with God, you will now conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he just keeps going, right? He doesn't even give her any time to think about what that means. He goes on. He's like, he'll be great. He'll be called the son of the most high. It's as if he's sort of building this up for her in this moment. Mary, just bear with me. It's really going to be a phenomenal moment because everything in her, like the blood has rushed out of her face. She can't believe this is happening. He's going to be great. He'll be called son of the most high. The Lord will give him a throne of his ancestor, David. And she's like, wait a minute, I'm not married yet. I don't know how this is even happening. He's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary finally gets to say something. How? How is this possible? How can this be, she says? I'm a virgin, right? She just responds with the most obvious of all realities. Yeah, I might be on track to marry Joseph. Yeah, I might be in the line of David after that. But right now, we're not married. That's not the timing that we're in. It's not the circumstances that we're resting in. Everything seems wrong. And so she just asked that simple question, how is that possible? How is it that that can be? It sounds like a great plan. And if it were different timing and different circumstances, I could go with it. But it's the wrong time. It's the wrong circumstances. And I don't think I can live into that. Give me a few months, right? Timing will be different. I'll be married. Give me a few months. Circumstances will change. I'll be in the line of David at that point when I marry, when I marry Joseph. But now, under this time and these circumstances, it's not going to happen. And Mary was shocked. She lived under the weight of that. She's overwhelmed by the gift that's in front of her, and she doesn't, frankly, want it. She doesn't want the gift there because it's bad timing. It's bad circumstances. And when the angel tells Mary she's pregnant... She's not looking for the gift. And, you know, last week we talked about Joseph. And when we talked about Joseph, 
In the society that Mary was a part of, the gift like this would create unimaginable potential in front of her, right? She could lose her life because of receiving this gift. She could be ostracized because of receiving this gift. And if you, you and I think for just a minute about all the unwanted gifts that are in our life and your reaction to those gifts, I think we often respond the same way, right? We, we have that same response. Like someone hands us this gift, we're like, did you, did you get the right person? Are you, are you sure that's for me? I mean, I, I figure somebody else in the room might like this a little better than I. I'm not sure how we aligned up in you thinking that I should receive this gift, right? I, you open this gift in, from Crazy Uncle Buck or something like that, and you're like, um, I think I opened your gift, Memo. Like, that's, that's not my gift, right? You just, it's just confusing. You don't know how you received it or how I got it. And when you get the wrong gift, our go-to response in circumstances like this is, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I'm not sure I'm the right person for that. I'm not sure I can handle the weight of that. I'm not sure that I'm made for that, right? And let me just offer you a really quick word about clar- of clarity, right? about the very specific type of gift that I want to talk about this week. Joseph received a gift last week, and we talked a little bit about that. And Joseph's gift was a piece of God's life that was given to him, that he had to accept as his own. Joseph's gift, in other words, the way I describe this, was it was a call that God had placed on his life in the same way that God places a call on all of our lives, it was a piece of himself that he granted to us. That's, that's Joseph's gift. But Mary's gift is a little bit different. The gift that Mary received is very much a part of her life. It's her life. It's her circumstances. It's where she's living. She doesn't just want to be there, right? This thing is very much happening to her. It's in her, and it's brewing out of her whether she likes it or not. Probably shouldn't talk about childbearing. I'm going to go on that way, right? This is happening in her life. Even if she doesn't want it to happen in her life, it is. And you and I, we all have moments like this in our life. You and I all have these sort of moments. We don't, we don't call them gifts because we don't really see them like gifts. They don't, they don't come to us in a way where we, we would even describe them as a gift that's handed to us, right? This is your road closed ahead moment. Right? This, is, this is the moment in your life where you're already 10 minutes late and the road is closed and you're like, this can't be happening to me right now. This can't be the circumstances that I'm landing in. I've got to be at this space. Why is this happening in this moment? Why am I going through this trial? Why does it feel like the pressure is never going to lighten in my life? Why does it just keep settling in? Why is my daughter so strong-willed? Why is my son so aloof? I don't understand why these circumstances rest in my life, but they're there. It's a part of where I'm at. It could be a part of your job. It could be a part of your family circumstances. It could be a part of your community and the world that you're living in. But these are the things that are placed in your lap, and you may not like them. You may not have asked for them, but they're a part of you. They're a part of where you are. And depending on how you respond in this moment, they may even become tools in your life of redemption. Tools that you didn't ask for, but that God will use in your life to bring about His redemption in your life. And believe me, Mary had all of these same feelings when this gift landed in her life. I'm not sure I'm ready for that, God. I'm not sure I can deal with that. Why is this happening to me, God? I I had a good thing going on. I thought I was going to be married this year. And then Gabriel speaks into her life. He continues to talk after she asks that question, how can this be? And he says simply this. He says, the Holy Spirit is going to come over you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. He will be called the Son of God. You see, Gabriel reminded Mary that at times in our lives, we're looking at 
this time, this perspective of time from one vantage point. Right? We have one space in time that we operate. But what's happening in Mary's life, and I would say even what's happening in your life, is there's the power of the Holy Spirit that's working above and over us that is, has full knowledge of all time of every bit of time, and knows your entire life from start to end and every way that you will operate within it. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is guiding this process. There's an active presence for Mary. There's an active presence of God in her life that is guiding the minute details of her life. And the same guiding Spirit is active in your life. In all of the circumstances that you are facing, have faced, and will face in the future, there is a Spirit who is at work and doing something in your life to call it holy. And the same Spirit that was at work in Mary so many years ago is the one who is working in those minute details of our life. We are, according to Paul, a people of the Spirit, a people who live and operate and act in the Spirit, who take every day walking in the Spirit, and we are called in our lives to see every mundane detail of our circumstances as something that God can call holy. We don't like to do that all the time. Because we don't like all the details of our lives. We don't like the circumstances of our lives sometimes. And yet God is still actively, as a people of the Spirit, calling us into a place where we can see all mundane things as holy. And if you don't believe it, Gabriel just kind of kept on going with her. And he says, even now, and this is, this is the beautiful part, he, he points to someone else who's living an outrageous story. And he says, just look at them. He goes, even now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. Mary, if you think it's crazy that you, a virgin, could conceive, just look at old Liz over there, right? Right? Can you believe that that woman, uh, as old as she is, has got a belly in her baby? She's six months pregnant. He uses this example. He says, Elizabeth is old in her age, has also conceived a, a son. This is the sixth month for her who is said to be barren. For nothing, and I love this, you just thought a virgin was impossible to have a baby. Nothing's impossible when a woman this old can have a baby. That's what Gabriel is getting at. And nothing is impossible with God, he says. I want you to look around at the circumstances of life, the crazy things that you see happening, the things that seem mundane, gifts that people have received that they didn't ask for in any way. I want you, Mary, to look at all of those things. You think you've got it bad? Look at her. You think your circumstances are bad? She's ancient, and she's in six months of pregnancy, right? That's what he says. I just want you to look for a minute at the testimony and, and think about the testimony. This is one reason why Mary actually was with Elizabeth. She, she wanted to see what was happening in Elizabeth's life. And we get the story in a few minutes that she shows up at Elizabeth's house. She needs to see it for herself to start believing that this could become her reality. And when I and you, when we hate the things that are placed in our lap because the timing is off and the circumstances are miserable, I need to look around and see the way that God is already active in someone else's life. The way that God has already moved in someone else's bad timing and poor circumstances. And I need to see the way that God has called those terrible mundane things holy and brought them back to life. And that's the testimony right there that actually changed everything for Mary. That's it. You know, Gabriel tried to offer her all the fancy language he could about who this child would be and how amazing this child would be. But the moment that Mary turned her eyes away from that moment right there and looked over to a neighbor who was living with the same reality, it changed something in her. And she, for the first time, starts to accept it. She says in verse 38, Here am I, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Here I am, servant just like Elizabeth is, 
I'm in a different season of my life. I'm facing different circumstances. My timing is a little bit different. But here I am, another servant of the Lord. Let it be with me, just as you said. Now, I understand very clearly in our lives that the right gift at the wrong time is always going to be the wrong gift. That's what it feels like. It can, it can be a gift. It can be a good gift. But if it comes at the wrong time, it still feels like the wrong gift. And that's, that's sort of a, a, a universal reality. We all feel that way. But here's, here's what I would suggest. From Mary's story, from what we see here, we recognize our limitations in time and in circumstances and geography. We should recognize that we are located just in one small part of the world in one small season of time. But there is a God who is active and present and involved in our lives who's not held by those boundaries. And that's the very same God who wants to rule and reign in our heart and our lives. This is the same God who comes to Mary. This is the God who broods over the face of the deep and calls everything into existence out of nothing. This is the one who wants to be involved in your life and has been involved in the creation of the world from beginning unto end. This is the one who sees the fullness of your life and where it's heading and all that's taking place in the midst of that life. And even though the weight of this current circumstance feels hard to bear, it seems like it's the wrong time, it's the wrong circumstance. This, brothers and sisters, is the gift that God wants to give to us. And so when it feels in our lives like the wrong gift at the wrong time, what I want to suggest this morning is that God might be offering the perfect gift right on time. Because God knows all of time. God understands all of time. God understands all things. And I know this because in the same way that Mary received Elizabeth's testimony, you and I, we're recipients of Mary's testimony. We're standing on the other side of Mary's testimony, knowing that God did this in her life. Even when she felt like it was the wrong time and the wrong circumstances, God granted that gift to Mary, and we're here to, be te- to see it as a testimony. We're here to see how God took that mundane moment in her life and made it beautiful. We're here to see that the Spirit of God is not limited by time or geography or circumstances or anything like that. And so when it feels like the wrong gift at the wrong time, I want to suggest that God might be operating in your life right on time. That God might be moving in your life right on time. In fact, later, it was years later, in fact, when Paul wrote this letter down to the church in Galatians, but Paul interpreted this space right here in time as a gift right on time. He says it, in fact. He says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, he says, but when the fullness of time had come, when it was just the perfect time, God did something. God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born of this woman Mary, born under the law in order to redeem those of us who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. It felt like the wrong time. It felt like the wrong circumstances. It felt like it couldn't be any worse. And Paul says years later, you know what? That was actually the perfect time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son born of Mary, born under the law, so that he could redeem you and me who live under the law. This morning, I, you know, I don't know all the circumstances of your lives. I know there's a weight for some of you that keeps you up at night. I get it. I know there's a burden for some of you that you bear you would rather not bear. doesn't feel like 
circumstances are right. You don't have the strength to deal with this. It's not a good time. And yet it's right there in front of you. It's sitting in this space. And so what I want to do, I want to do two things today. First, I want to invite you to invite the Spirit into those circumstances. It's become my experience in life that we will often push God away from the difficult areas of our lives, falsely assuming that he can't handle it or doesn't want to. And really, God is in that space all the time where he wants to be invited in. He wants to sit with you in some of the most difficult places of your life. And so that's what I want to do first. I want to invite you into a place where the Spirit of God can begin to speak to you in that circumstance. The Spirit of God can start to work with you in that circumstance. And even though it feels like wrong timing and wrong circumstances for you, I want you to hear very clearly a voice, not my voice, because I'm limited by time and circumstance too, but the voice of God who is not limited by either of those things, but who holds you in the middle of all of that and invites you into this space. And I want you to do what Mary did. At the end of seeing the testimony of Elizabeth, she just simply said, Lord, here am I. Here am I. She didn't have a solution. She didn't didn't figure out what story she was going to tell. In fact, we found out later that maybe she didn't even tell Joseph right away. She just lived with that. Lord, here am I. Lord, here am I. And for some of you, that's the first step. Just invite the Spirit into that place in your life so that the Spirit can start doing what He alone can do for you. The second thing I want you to do, and I want to invite you to, is to become an active part of the testimony of the Spirit in the world. You see how important Elizabeth's testimony was. You see how vital her testimony was to Mary, for Mary to take hold of this, to live into this. It's important not only for Mary and Elizabeth to live into that role of being the, the, the testimoniers, or what, I don't even know what word we would say there, something, you get what I'm saying. I don't know exactly which word to use. It's important for them to bear testimony. It's crucial for us today to bear testimony. There are still people in your world who need to hear your testimony. There are still people in this world who need to hear that God gave you the strength to make it through the circumstances that you're living in in your life. One of the reasons why I want to encourage us over the next 12 days to do this, this uh, 12 ways to Christmas. I want us to figure out ways to tell our testimony over and over again and to be active in giving and sharing the joy of Christmas and the love of Christmas and the peace and all of the things that come at Christmas. I want us to actively be involved in that. And so I want to create some ways where we can do that. And so over the next 12 days, that's what we're going to do, the 12 ways to Christmas. And the first one we'll start out with, and we'll reveal this again tomorrow, but is it our outreach center? You know, it's been amazing to us as we gather at the outreach center um, every single week to see the amount of grandparents in our community who are raising children and the great burden it is on them to raise those children, to live in their lives and to take on a role that they thought they were done with. But there are countless grandparents who are doing this. And so for the very first way to Christmas that we're going to be involved with and that we're going to talk about is ways to make sure that those grandparents have the gifts they need to give a good Christmas to those children. And it's already, the money's already started rolling in. We've already gotten partners. In fact, we got partners with the Kiwanis Club over in Rutherfordton. They gave us a large amount of money to make sure that we got gifts for Christmas for these kids. But there's still more needed. There's still more opportunity to do that. And every single day, just when we think we've gotten a big enough list, the list grows. And we hear another story of another grandparent who's doing this and involved in this way. 
And so that's, that's what we'll do tomorrow. Starting tomorrow, that'll be the way that we can give, and we'll have details on, on social media, online, ways that you can participate and you can give in that way, and you can be present when we are able to give to grandparents in that way. And that's just the first of many. There'll be others that we talk about throughout the next 12 days, other ways that you can participate and bring joy to this season. But there's also going to be ways that only you know. And so, you know, collectively, corporately, I want to set up an environment where we can do this. That's important. But please don't mistake it for your own personal responsibility in this. Please don't mistake the collective endeavors for the way that God might be calling you to tell your Christmas story. For you to tell the story of a gift that you felt like you received at the wrong time under the wrong circumstances. And God wants you to tell that so that someone else, someone else can receive a gift that God is placing in their heart and they're just having a hard time with it. So this week, and 12 days left till Christmas, this is where we start. Receive the Spirit into your own life under those circumstances that are difficult and share the Spirit with others that are in need in need, desperate need, to hear the goodness of God in their world. Would you stand with me this morning? God, we thank you so much. This morning in particular, for your presence with us in trial. Your presence with us in places we didn't ask for. Maybe with gifts that are completely unwanted like an ugly Christmas sweater. God, we just want to push it away. It doesn't connect with us. It doesn't connect with where we are in life. But God, this morning, I just want to invite your spirit to, first of all, rest upon all of us who are gathered here in this space and all who are gathering online, either now or later, and participating in this way. Spirit of God, do what only you can do. Broaden our horizon. Give us strength for the journey. Place us in that larger context of your story in the world and help us to see how we play an active and vital role in it. Change us. Change us so that we can then turn around and testify of your goodness to others. Testify of the ways that you are active in our world and that you are calling us deeper and deeper into a relationship with you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.